All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. Hello, Luigi. <laughs> this is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yeah. <laughs> we have a fantastic guest, Daniel Hall. Daniel, how are you doing, man? Really yeah. Much, yeah, I've got to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you are a, <clears throat> a sound designer. Uh, and I'm sure you do a bunch of other things, but uh, you're master a electrician, master electrician, <laughs> yeah, just and kind of across the board, <laughs> right on. And uh, we we've been dying to we've been talking online about uh, I mean offline about bringing in folks who are part of the tech field because that's part of the theater community oh, as well. Oh, very much. So we're definitely glad to have you on. And uh, you're a millennial. You're one of the younger folks that we've had on. We've had someone who was <laughs> 17 and 16, but. Mm. Usually we have a lot of an older folks, so so it's good. So it's good to get some young young blood in here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, just you know, it's it's a different perspective, but it's pretty cool when you actually have like younger artists actually kind of like in in these experience fields. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and especially your field. I mean, you know, there are not a lot of folks. People want to be on the stage, but there are not a lot of folks who are comfortable being off stage and just well, getting confident. involved in the tech. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you found your niche, and uh, you know from what I hear, I think you and Norman work. What was the it was, what was the production you guys? Uh, in? We did as you like it last summer. Yeah, and uh, under very difficult difficult circumstances in the park. Yeah. Now that's, <coughs> I mean, I've done sound design and worked as a light and sound operator, but never outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is tough. Oh yeah, so it was actually like a whole tour. So it went to actually. Um, Five venues, but only three that's of them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But only three of them actually needed um, lights, but all five of them needed sound. Mm-hmm. But with like lighting, the only big problem was like, you know, whether whether or not like the electrics could like sustain whatever kind of gardening upkeep that the parks would have. Like a huge thing was that they mm-hmm. turned the l- sprinklers on us while we were doing the load in. <laughs> oh, this oh is a, this is actually a recurring factor oh from goodness. Pleasanton. <laughs> oh. oh no. Did it water get on the equipment? Oh yeah. There was like one year where um I think the director was you know, um Phil Lowry was just like chilling, like trying to do paperwork on his laptop. Right. And like the sprinklers turned on right behind him and soaked him in his computer and oh, like, all the goodness. paperwork in front of him. <laughs> oh. And like uh, we had like cables run like exposed, like we had sure. like circuits open, let near like the, we had to string everything up immediately, wow. and turn everything off. And, well, luckily, like, yeah, yeah, luckily it uh, wasn't a total disaster. <laughs> As I begin every week, how was your week? Uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. It's a quiet week. Today, we will do birthdays later, but today is my, not today, in a couple of days, my stepson Dexter's 18th birthday. I remember those days. Uh, <coughs> and it's been interesting. So last night was a sleepover of approximately 10 teen youth in our house at all hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's exciting. It's exciting to, to see him take that step. So... No, it's been pretty quiet. I've done some auditions. Still looking for work. Still looking for work. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, you'll you'll find something you usually do, and you know you've had such a great string of success. You know, just uh, finding work. Um, so I'm sure <coughs> that that'll be uh, quick. And we were talking off offline about um, just partying. You know, like when we were young. I mean, you, you were 18, and you were in your teens in the 70s, and I was mm-hmm. in it in the 80s, and. Partying has taken different, um, you know, people don't party now like they do, you know, back right. then. 
Well, in some ways they do, though. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, there's, you know, liquor and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure now it's on land parties and, you know, I hear things like that mm-hmm. for the new generation. Mm. Like, uh, Daniel, when's, when's the last time you, you know, <clears throat> partied or raved or, you know, when you were in college? Were you part of a fraternity, anything like that? Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the thing, though. I had a lot of friends that were ravers that mm-hmm. would try and get me to these things. And... Honest to God, I'm not, like, a nightclub person. I love the mm-hmm. design. I love the... You know, I will build a nightclub. I will do the lights and, mm-hmm. like, the sound setup for that. I will not stay for the event. Oh, I will hang... Yeah, yeah. I'll, ha- I'll come back later and take everything down. <coughs> I will... Yeah. Like, um, I'm not big on those kind of, like, crowded events. Mm-hmm. But my friends are and have talked me into going to those events. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I imagine, you know, the newer generation, you know, they're all about selfies and posting things on Instagram and whatever. But, like, like, this was still, like, two years ago, and Matt told me not to do it again. (laughs) Like, (laughs) sorry, not to uh, um, go on a tangent, but, yeah, two years ago, um, it was, like, in May and some random, I don't even know what Uh it was. I really don't even know what it was. I was just kind of dragged along, half drunk. Uh Uh-huh. very hot, sweaty. People wear yeah. almost nothing and then are pressed up against you. I'm not into that. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not into strangers doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, they, they did the same thing in the 80s. And, you know, there was, when I was at NYU, they had Fiji. And Fiji were, you know, a bunch of, and I was a minority uh, mm-hmm. there. And I felt very, very quickly. And it's one of the cool things about the theater community. Because there was a theater community at NYU. And we didn't want to go to these Fiji frat parties and, you know, mm. just, you know, beer chugging and, you know, who can yeah. drink as many beers as possible. We were chill just sitting in, you know, one cramped dormitory room, <laughs> chilling and talking about life and existentialism and just whatever, you know, while smoking weed and all that sort oh, of stuff. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was uh, my thing. Um, we can get to current events. Obviously, cool. Kobe Bryant. <clears throat> we can, and that takes so many different um, dimensions. Wonderfully. I'm, yeah, I, that's a weird thing to say about. I mean, the way the response, the response is huge and, mm-hmm. and deserved, and complex, and that's what a human being is. And you know, it's it's nice to feel people, to see people, or hear people mm-hmm. express how how this affected them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know when I heard about it, I was watching the Pro Bowl and I saw now and and these days I'm like okay I've got to check different sources yep. to make sure this isn't fake or whatever and there were a lot of fake news right. at first it was five people dead then it was seven people then nine people right then it was Rick Fox died as well no he didn't right his whole family died no they didn't right. uh, it was just Kobe no it was actually his 13 year old daughter as well right so there's a lot of misinformation and people are upset right. that TMZ. Law enforcement basically said, well, you should have waited until we confirmed it with the family because you shouldn't – a family member shouldn't hear it via TMZ. Mm-hmm. And then there's blowback. There was an article, I think, in The New Yorker about Kobe was uh, accused of raping a woman right, yes. in 2000, yes. I believe, in three, 2003. Mm-hmm. And he actually admitted it, <coughs> and it gets into really gory detail. And so, as a matter of fact, one Washington Post reporter was suspended – for tweeting about, hey, let's not forget what Kobe did. We right. can still honor the dead, yes. but still talk about, you know, <coughs> this thing. And um, it's interesting how, you know, the Me Too movement and how social media these days treat controversial people. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that part fascinating as well. Did you have any thoughts, Daniel, about um, 
I think the whole Kobe thing is really like it's it's kind of I think it's kind of beautiful to watch how people have like come to express their thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. How there are so many artists, so many people who have just opened up like their hearts and vulnerability to this. But I think it's just still a tragedy. And yeah. even though we have to criticize what Kobe had done, we still have to remember his impact as an like an individual. So it's kind of it's sure. it's complex, just mm-hmm. like the human experience. Yeah, and it's filled with trauma that's hard to address and really even kind of like mm-hmm. reflect on. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And uh, he and he did apologize. He said, listen, things got a little crazy, and I apologize to what I did. And I think um, Colorado, the DA's office, had dropped it because you know, they couldn't go further. And that was it. He moved on with his life. And he was a younger athlete then, and mm-hmm. he's matured. He even said that he's matured, you know, because he was rather stoic and off-putting when he was younger, right. as most stars are. Mm-hmm. And then as he got older, he mellowed out, he had a family, and became the family man. Right. I felt really bad for the 13-year-old. I didn't have enough emotional Ooh, context with Kobe himself. That is like, when my eyes started to walk. <coughs> yeah. Oh, did you cry a little? Yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's stunning. It's so stunning. It's like, yeah. Oh. And what I can't do, which I see thrown at me every day, mm-hmm. is all kinds of little video clips and photos, and I'm like, I, I'm i sorry, I don't really need another cry today. That's uh, You're just breaking my heart. Yeah. I, but, you know, wow. Yeah, the unfortunate. I mean, I understand people need to emote, but I get the feeling that, especially with stars or whatever, everyone has to run in front of a camera. Oh, i got to tell you my mm. connection with Kobe and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, I get it. You know, you feel oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Like, I feel like that's um, – when I say artists creating things, like, these people that are kind of, like, that I I grew up with all these people. I, mm-hmm. like, you know, right. I grew up in, like, kind of a rougher high school. I had a lot of, like, really well-known kids, like, die. Like, mm. horrible ac- like horrible accidents. Yeah. Um, like, one kid was just stabbed, like, a couple blocks down the school. And, like, wow. Like, football star and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, there are people that just grab for that attention. People that need to express their own traumas right. just kind of rush to using this whole event to, like, as an excuse for it. I feel like that's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that Dexter had a friend who passed away. How, how is he dealing? I mean, since we're talking about not just death but the handling of death. How I do we deal with it? Um, years ago, um, I, I have a friend. I, I need to check in with him. But I have a, a little friend in Alameda. Mm-hmm. And um, his mom died. And he's um, trying to find the, the appropriate term. Um, William was a little different, I'll just say that. Okay. And his mom died, and Down syndrome. Oh, okay. That's Got what it. I was yeah, trying to yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we actually met through karaoke. And so I totally got to know him in this weird way, hanging out in bars <laughs> with this young man with Down syndrome. After a while, he's not so young anymore. His mom dies. And they'd had a couple of troubled years, and he had moved out mm-hmm. and been on his own mm-hmm. when she died. Um, but she died. It was a shock, and it was a shock for him. And I was like, how is he going to deal with that? Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm trying, at this point, we had become friends. We had hung out and weren't just bumping into each other at the bar. And uh, so I go and I look it up. 
and it says, well, people with Down syndrome um, are affected by death, mm -hmm. the death of a loved one, death of a mother, um, the same way all of us are. Mm -hmm. Each one is different. There's yeah, no yeah, telling. Yeah, yeah. Dexter right now seems happy and maybe a little pimply. Sorry, but <laughs> true. Well, you're 18, yeah, yeah. Um, he's enjoying himself in totally new ways, including some mm -hmm. marks on his neck from the last couple of days sleeping over somewhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, I mean, he seems to be, have recovered. He's kind of, grades aren't the most stable right now. Mm -hmm. He's got his applications out for colleges. He's doing his best to stay on track. And I know, I remember being in exactly that place. There were definitely classes I wanted where mm -hmm. I'm talking to teachers going, can we just, I'm dropping <laughs> this class because I, I got Yeah, it. it just seems completely out, out over your head. Yeah, so yeah. he's normal and sometimes not as annoying as he was mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. But he, he didn't seem, he's, he sounds like he's, he's handled that well or just the, he, the I thought this party was a great sort of bounce back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't ask, he said, I'm going to have a party on Friday night. I want to have 10 friends come over and spend the night. <laughs> there you go. Very and, specific. And the place wasn't trash when you when you and Mara came back. Not every glass is, oh, many of them out on the patio mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> with the kitchen furniture because they sat out, mm -hmm. which is cool. We put up little party lights. Oh. And those are my party lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't even know, mm -hmm. you know. Charge him a record fee. <laughs> yeah. No, he just, yeah. I was so surprised. I came home and saw them on. And I was like, he's using my party lights. Yay. Okay. But good. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's good so to hear that. I think he's, you know, he's doing as well. You know, every day and every week is new little battles as mm -hmm. they kind of jockey for how's he going to be grown. Yeah. Good for him. You know, when you told that story, it reminded me, we had a, um, I think every family has like a matriarch of the family. Mm -hmm. And on my mother's side, there was my great-grandmother. And when mm -hmm. she passed away, it was almost like as if you took uh, the bolt that the entire machine almost falls apart when the bolt is taken out. I mean, right, yeah. You yeah. had aunts, uncles just crying mm -hmm. and just, you know, just devastated. And I remember being a kid. I mean, I was probably 18 or 19 when it happened. And... We went to the funeral, and then we went back to the matriarch house. And right. you know, the grown-ups were at the living room, sitting down, uh, maybe eating something or whatever. But the rest of those kids went into the basement, and we started shooting pool. Right. Because we just wanted to, I don't know, yeah. do something physically to, you know, to be active. I mm -hmm. guess get it out right. of our system. It was our little way. We all loved and cared for her. But I guess you're, you're right. Everyone mourns a different way. Yeah. I mean, when I got the call that my uh, my biological mom passed away, um, it took me a couple of days before I cried because yeah. it was more like, okay, well, I got to get home. I've got to mm -hmm. set up everything, and I'm the only child, and I've right. got mm -hmm. things to do or whatever. By the time I got to the point where I could just relax and just let it out, boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's like um, – what's the term? There's a – when it comes to like death, I feel like in this time – like that's like you can't mourn immediately or kind of like greet like right. there's no grieving process like uh you almost have to kind of like rush to work to catch everything like mm -hmm. because when um people are like almost like buildings and like when they're gone it's like the beam that supports it is gone and then the entire building crumbles yeah yeah whether or not that building is like a part of other like buildings right. in people's lives yeah that is now a 
that is now something that's gone and has left like um a crater like it's not a hole because a hole is just like you know it's mm. nothing right there's like aftermath and consequences mm-hmm. and crap but i feel that everyone like has their own grieving process but i feel like we don't get our chance to really like understand what's happening like process mm-hmm. what happened and then handle it right mm-hmm. i can feel like for like uh your stepson like yeah um like for example when my like dad died when i was 12 Ooh. i didn't have like yeah mm. my dad was like i had like the perfect little like nuclear family uh-huh. you know uh three dogs my dad uh, my mom everyone's happy and my dad just um goes into sleep one night what? gone right. wow. no wow. real warning no yeah. real like we had just gotten t- on him about his health and like how he needs to get better and he was like um just on the steps going up mm. and then boom he's gone uh-huh. Mm. I didn't have I didn't know what to do because my mom was like immediately it was like um that was like her life right just completely shattered and then mm. turned over she had to like just a week of being gone mm-hmm. like just you know like as a human being like just time to be right and then she had to work everything she had to handle him being gone the funeral everything like immediately after if even she got really that week but like she just had to handle like his death immediately, like handling um, right. his insurance, his funeral, home, right. his work. Like it's so much work, and then on top of that's what that's while she's also working, and then mm. she comes back to work mm-hmm. with this grief, and then with all of this, and then her work, like her work, gave her shit about my dad. Uh, yeah. Oh, they like didn't like her taking time off. Yo, yeah, they gave mm. her shit about it, and then gave her shit about like how she was how she was handling her son and me. Right. And she straight up quit, and then like this is like six months after my dad died. Right. And wow. then she is able to mourn. Wow. And then wow. she's able to start really handling it. And yeah. It. And yeah. like, I as a kid didn't really even start understanding this until like years after. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, wow, that is that I mean that's interesting and we'll get more into your origin story a little bit later on. But, <laughs> but death is very important. I mean just handling it and the whole Kobe thing, it's amazing how you it's a key that unlocks other emotions. So much. Oh, there see, is like, a great article about that. Um, just you know the what the part of it that we have to kind of own. Mm-hmm. How is it that this stranger, this right. person that most of us have no direct contact with, um, suddenly impacts our life so much and it, it does i know that there are some and the older i get the more i'm just like oh that one died oh well that one died but the other ones that are it's that little impact moment of whoa okay you know i yeah i don't want to let that go yeah i'm i had mm-hmm. a friend as i was turning 20 who committed suicide mm. and and I was in the army, <laughs> and overseas, Whoa. and they would not let me come, come home because it wasn't a family member. Mm. Oh my God! So my mom went to the funeral. And she gets there, and there are two caskets. His brother is also dead. Wow! Suddenly, and yeah, this like turns into a not really a mystery, but. At the time, I was like, it, you know, bam. I'm just like, what the hell is this supposed to mean about life? One of my oldest friends, actually my oldest friend, mm-hmm. is a mutual friend of Guy who killed himself. Mm-hmm. And it's almost 
we think about him in such deep and meaningful ways for us, but we've also lived so much life without him. You know, it it, it changes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so far I'm loving what Dexter, how Dexter is navigating this and taking control of it. Yeah. And Mara, to her credit, is knowing when to give him some flex and when to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the best. Yeah, the, I was gonna, just going to say the best way to to get rid of a bad memory is to create good memories, and I've always felt that. Yeah. And so, and you, and you know, it maybe sound crass, but you really do have to move on. Yeah. And yeah. especially, um, it sounds like you were an only. Ch- are you an only child? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so you were there for your mom, you know. And, yeah, uh, was, that's and here's also the kicker is yeah. that all of my mom's family is in, like, Iowa and further out. Wow. Mm-hmm. But my dad's family is in, like, L.A., and they don't like my mom. Mm-hmm. So my mom doesn't have, like, anybody. Well, you. Well, yeah, well, that's how yeah. I put it. So it's, like, just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, right. no one else. And that's, like, a different pressure. Yeah. It. And yeah. think about how it would have been, because I, I was an only child for my biological mom as well. Um, think of what it would, it would, how she would have handled the tragedy if she didn't have you. Mm-hmm. So, Eesh. yeah. So there are other current events. Uh, obviously, we just oh, finished the. Uh, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Finish this thought on like. Yes. Let's just open up about how Co- this whole Kobe event. Like the yes. thing that I think that is really good is that people need to grieve and like mourn in their own way, but I don't think it's there. Like Kobe has an impact on all of us. He has like sure. a layer on a lot of people's yep. like creativity and the identity that they have mm-hmm. built. There are a lot of people that it is so valid that they should feel this pain from losing this person. Oh yes. But there, I feel that there are so many people that need to address their own like pains, traumas, tragedies in their life, yeah. things that they have just lost. But um, they shouldn't use like this big celebrity death to do it. I feel like they themselves have their own story that they can tell but i don't think that they should use their mourning process and latch on to like an artist or a creator that oh, sure, kind of yeah. only had just like a peripheral impact on them really? yeah 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 no i totally agree you know i have some i have some friends of mine you know people there's people who deal with tragedy and they don't know how to let go and we talk about it with theater with acting it's mm-hmm. like there are emotions you hold on to because it serves the purpose of the character and then you have to let go of it right. when that beat is over you hit a beat, the beat's over, move on to the mm-hmm. next scene. Some folks, and sometimes you find this out in acting school, they don't know how to let go. Mm-hmm. They almost become um, um, emotional junkies or, or victim junkies or whatever. It's like, mm. oh, my God, Kobe's dead. Oh, it reminds me of when my brother died and I mm-hmm. just can't hold on. And, and they just latch on. They want people to react to how they're feeling, and they want a response where it's a triggering event. You hear that word triggered all the time. Right. And while it's good to emote, you do have to say, okay, how are you going to use this in a positive way or a constructive way? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How can you turn um, this pain into something that doesn't, like, that is something beautiful? How can you turn your pain into something? How can you turn this into, like, a work of love for others? Yeah. That's what I always think about art. Right, and, th- and that's exactly what art is about. It sounds like a great description of the mourning process. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in that sense, it is. This celebration <laughs> needs to go on for a while. Mm-hmm. It is like funerals aren't um, funerals aren't for the dead; they're for the living. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, impeachment. I mean, you know, uh, the Senate did what they mm. we knew they were going to do. They listened to all of the evidence and was like, <laughs> no, "Okay, thank did. you so much. No witnesses. See you later." I was hoping for well, is it Murkowski or Susan yeah. Collins? I think it's Murkowski. Yeah. And of course, she was like, "Murkowski said no." After she said she might say yes. 
Mm-hmm. Susan Collins got to say yes because they made sure they wouldn't have enough votes for it yeah. to really mean anything. And then Lamar Alexander was like, well, yes, I agree with everything the, the uh, Democrats are saying, but still it's not enough to impeach. Right. And so the beat goes on. Right. I think, I mean, it's a victory, but I think it's a pyrrhic victory. I mean, I think there are a lot of people more outraged than anything. I mean, what do you guys take on it, if anything? It seems to be so much of the, (coughs) I can't even say current, the um, culture Mm -hmm. of politics is it feels like it's an us and them, us and them, them, the politicians, and us. It's like, are you guys actually working for us? Do you (laughs) you care about us? Mm Mm-hmm. So um, um, the title civil servant really doesn't hold any value exactly. anymore. That, that, that is a great point, uh, Daniel, because you serve the people, not just your constituencies, but all of us. And, all and, of I, and I will give – I think the Democrats deserve at least the polite golf clap. On, more than that, honestly. I, I thought the strategy was amazing. It tedious at times, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but I thought – you know, they. I thought they did lay out a case well, not just a case mm-hmm. on its own, its merit, its own merits, but to need mm-hmm. to have witnesses. Yeah, and I think the objective was twofold. I mean, the tangible thing to try to dissuade for Republicans to tw- turn, right. which was a tough anyway. But I think the real objective was to shame the Republicans to say, "Listen, if you senators are going to back Trump, knowing what he's done and knowing that the evidence is overwhelming, shame on you." Mm-hmm. But Not also, mm-hmm. like, they're um, signifying that this will be a recurring pattern, that this is something that, like, is going to progressively get worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is also kind of saying that um, this is Democrats saying to Republicans that if you're allowing this one time, right. this means that this is something that can happen and this is something that can escalate. Yeah. Right. Unless the voters vote people out. Oh, yeah. It um, is, like, power to the people. But yeah. People need to work. And here's a question for you, Daniel. I mean, for a younger person, I mean, how, how active are you? How engaged are you uh, as far as politics are concerned? Do you care? Do you not care? Oh, do you I just move on with life? <clears throat> I am care. I, I I can protest when I can. I'm definitely against, like, a lot of the BART and the um, anti-homelessness stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm Ooh. definitely um, – <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. I – I vote. I register. I'm already registered. You know, I do the processes. But yeah. Like, I wish as like um, a working person, I could do more because I feel like, you know, it's hard to do protests. It's hard to actively be there sure. and support these individuals when, say, some of these rallies are like all the way in like Sacramento yeah. or mm-hmm. like. Um, well, you may have a nine to five job. Or, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it's like you know, when I work in entertainment, it means I have free time. But usually that means it's to work on another project or yeah. to like. Uh, you know, physically recuperate so I don't, like, you know, mm-hmm. pass out. Yeah, yeah. Are you optimistic about the ele- the upcoming election? Um, yes, because I do feel like this quote-unquote impeachment process is kind of like just the active moves that both sides have been making is kind mm-hmm. of eye-opening, and I feel like this kind of does call for change, but I also feel like because nothing's happened, like, you know, there's no real re- true repercussions yeah. from the choices that have been made by our politicians, I don't think that, like, mm-hmm. much change will be, like, immediate. Yeah, I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be a very long time for things to work themselves out. I feel like it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, and then it's going to be like a long five steps. Yeah, I think um, I'm hoping that. I mean, it reminds me so much of 1960 when a lot of, you know, in 1960 this gets back into American history, and I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit of a nerd on that. But a lot of people thought that Nixon was going to win the election in 1960. They were like, hey, you know. He's establishment. He's been in the White House for eight years under Eisenhower, and these young folks 
Well, they don't vote anyway, and who cares? They're busy, too busy listening to rock and roll. Lo and behold, Kennedy wins, mm-hmm. and it becomes a tide, a total change in the Democrat Party. You know, it was the party that favored civil rights and right. you know brought forth the uh, the oh shoot, what is it? The um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I mean it. The election of Kennedy wasn't just an election, but it changed the tide for the Democrat Party and American politics. And a lot of people were just blindsided. I'm hoping that in 2020, there'll be a change where it's like, hey, listen, we've had the Trump period. He's gone. Also, a lot of these, like, active millennials that, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these kids are – have you ever heard the term prosumer? Like, where it's, like, it's the idea that um, – Active individuals that consume will also mm-hmm. produce. Yeah. These kids that, like, younger than me are starting to get ready to vote. And these kids know how to put in, like, information and blast out a whole, like... Yeah, yeah, they're influencers, yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Like, these children um, will act, and they can move now. Mm-hmm. Like, they are in a world where if they don't move, mm-hmm. they will, like, die. Yeah. So, like, these kids are going to move, and these kids are ready to vote. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. No, it's awesome. It's fantastic. And uh, I think, I mean, we were talking last week, I think there was a um, a young YouTuber who's making like $27 million mm-hmm. just by, um, um, he, he, he uh, looks at products or he evaluates products and stuff. But yeah, younger folks have so much power and they're using YouTube and all the social media to push their uh, agenda. Um, one last thing. And it ties in. Do you guys know who Joe Rogan is? Joe Rogan has a yeah, very famous he's, podcast. Uh, endorsed uh, Bernie, right? Exactly. And there were some very Ooh. interesting things that happened. Yeah. So he is a he's been labeled as a alt right person, although I don't think the label is correct. Mm-hmm. He's made some comments in the past about transgender people. Ooh. I think uh, it's not really alt right. I think he just is pro- like has his own problematic things. Yeah, well, I mean, he's 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 one of these bro guys who made his I'm way. Not a fan. I'm just gonna. Yes, yeah, he's <laughs> a, he was an MMA fighter who became a comedian. He made comments about there was a uh, transgendered um, woman who fought and won a bunch of uh, matches, and Joe Rogan was like, "Hey, listen, testosterone wise, this is a man, and this is improper mm-hmm. and wrong," and that got a lot of blowback. So this week, there was a article. Um, no, actually, there were a bunch of Twitter feeds by people who support Bernie is saying, listen, Joe Rogan has endorsed you. Don't accept the endorsement. Just push back on Joe Rogan because we mm-hmm. don't need that type of right. you know, feedback or whatever. So the question I have for both of you is, I mean, if the idea is to reach out to extend the tent, so to speak, mm-hmm. to everybody, is it right or wrong? I mean, is Bernie right to accept the endorsement of Joe Rogan? What do you think? I don't think he needs it, but I feel like feel like the you know the what would be like you know the right move mm-hmm. or like you know the politically correct move that would make everyone happy is that he like kind of accepts in his own unique way mm-hmm. but i definitely feel that he doesn't need the endorsement and i don't feel the endorsement comes from like a really good place so mm. it's tainted it taints his his reputation you think um bernie's i, I feel mm-hmm. like no, I feel like Bernie can handle this. Yeah. I feel like Bernie can absolutely navigate this, but mm-hmm. I feel like the Joe Rogan endorsement is not like – I don't think it is for the best. I don't think it's positively back. I don't think it's like well-intentioned. Okay. What do you think, Norman? I, I think it puts Bernie in a complicated position. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but see – okay. I, there, I have this crazy notion that it would be really cool if a whole spectrum of America mm-hmm. 
wanted a particular leader, which just mathematically means we're going to get some folks that we don't really necessarily agree with Mm -hmm. who are suddenly going, that guy, I trust that guy. Now, that's our argument in the first place. So we're going, I want that guy, but I don't want you to want that guy because I don't want to associate with you. Right. I I got to give Bernie a pass on this one. I'm like, dude, you ain't doing nothing. And that's the funny thing. Now we're in this, is Bernie winning? Is Bernie right? Is Bernie wrong? I want Bernie to be fucking Bernie. I want Bernie to be true to who he fucking says he is mm-hmm. and who he has proven himself to be in so many ways. Yeah. Hell and yeah. take that shit into the White House. Yeah. Now, he's not even my first choice, <laughs> but I would not be unhappy with yeah. President Bernie Sanders. That would not piss and I think me it's off. The, I think and it's I the, would vote for his ass. And I think oh, it's yeah. the reason Joe Rogan, uh, he, you know, he had him on. He had Tulsi Gabbard on as well. I thought right. that Joe would go towards Tulsi Gabbard. And I think that he's also pissed off the so-called right-wingers who supposedly love Joe Rogan, who thought, hey, you know, you're really on our side. You probably won't say it, but, you know, dog whistle. We know you're on our side, brother. And then all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute. You're not? You really endorse Bernie. So I think, you know, there's, I mean, you know, uh, problematic people are problematic. You know, we talk about it with Kobe Bryant or whatever. And they exist. Mm -hmm. But people transition. People change. I mean, um, go ahead. Cancel culture. That is probably the worst thing that yes. I guess mm-hmm. my, col- my generation's about. Yeah. The concept of, like, if you are wrong, you are forever wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is, like, what you're about. I think you're going to touch this topic. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. It's uh, the concept of change, growth, and development. Mm-hmm. Like, can somebody change their, like, views and for the better? It's like, we love watching movies where, like, the bad guy turns good. At last sure. Like, some guy that we, like, right. um, like at all points really don't like kind of like has this moment of like actual humanity and understands that he mm-hmm. can do good like I guess we should accept that Joe Rogan has like uh, potential mm-hmm. and that this is actually well intentioned yeah so like benefit of the doubt or whatever I think so but I also think that if Joe if he really cares then Joe can at least put out a statement saying hey listen I made these statements back in 2000 whatever it was we talked about this with Kevin Hart yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. and um it, you know, if you put out an apology, now, of course, that's being politically correct, and that's against his brand, you know. <laughs> well, but the other side of that is you put out an apology. Do I feel like it's an appropriate apology? Mm-hmm. If the people that you are apologizing to don't feel like you're really giving them an apology, then it's just you going, wow. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to feel that somebody will own that. Right. Like, will he address that what he did was wrong and actually choose and actually admit that he's growing? Like, what will he say? You know, like... Well, he's already... He basically... He's basically blaming oh, the what? cancel culture. He's blaming the alt-left. Okay, so he's, he's not actually owning up to it. No, not really. He's basically saying, listen, I said this in the past and I could justify why I said what I said. He he actually had a the world's strongest gay person oh. on his podcast. He's And this dude's mm-hmm. a bodybuilder mm-hmm. and um, is, you know, open and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe Rogan was basically saying, hey, listen, I, I'm worried about the protection of female who are naturally, you know, who are born female getting hurt in the ring because of transgender. He's trying to tighten it down to one specific criteria, which are individuals who compete in races, whether it's there was a transgender woman who had raced who was in uh, these um, mm-hmm. decathlons or whatever it was. And that is an issue. I don't know if it's a big issue. Um, was she even trans? I do remember that there was like one, uh, like, uh, there was one decathlon runner that was like accused of it, even though she was like straight up like a cisgendered woman. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like born a woman, <coughs> she just had like higher levels of testosterone, testosterone naturally. Yeah, right. yeah. And she right. had done a whole bunch of shit like online, even though it's like she didn't do anything. Right, exactly. But I think there was one who actually was transgendered. So I think Joe, if he really cares, should tighten it up and say, hey, listen, this is what I was really talking about. I'm not really. I don't have a problem with with transgendered people, but that's mm-hmm. on him if he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, to origin story, Daniel Hall. <laughs> and for people who can't see because this is a podcast, you're Asian American. Um, yep. And um, so tell us an origin story. How did you get involved in theater? First of all, uh, were you born and raised here? Uh, no, I'm actually I was born in Korea. I don't really know where. I okay. Don't, because for some reason, um, so I'm adopted. Okay. When mm-hmm. Through the adoption process, there was a huge issue of trying to get like the American version of like my birth certificate, and I literally, and my family like spent like ten years trying to get it and mm. couldn't get it. Wow. Uh, but you know, like they have everything that says I'm a legal citizen. That says like I'm like through my mother adopt my parents both adopting me mm-hmm. that mm. I am like you know a citizen. But the thing was like I couldn't get my birth certificate, so I don't actually know where I was born. But mm. I do know <laughs> that I I flew from Seoul, Korea to America when I was like. Five months old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, was it here in the Bay? Um, yeah. I flew in, I think, at Oakland, and Ooh. my mom picked me up, and we live in, like, Fremont, you know, Tri-City oh, area. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, how, how was growing up? I mean, um, did you? It was pretty good. I had a, honestly, really cushy, really uh, spoiled. Two dogs. Um, parents got me almost everything, almost everything I want. They made yeah. me work for it. As parents do, um, parents are good to me. Uh, yeah. Like my mom is like uh, an old hit, like a ex hippie who works okay. in HR. You know, she's yeah. been through the whole hippie life. Like, yeah. I mean, like, oh man, the whole experience. It's the so the whole sixties experiment. Oh my god, her funniest story is when she was like eighteen years old and she had like a hundred, <coughs> some like hundred and forty hits of like mescaline mm-hmm. in her purse. <laughs> okay. Wait, and the police and. The police escorted her and her friends to her house. Wow. Did not check her bag. Her friends were blackout, dr- like, just belligerently drunk, and uh-huh. they were just trying to get them away from the cops. Okay. And the cops were like, okay, these kids need to go home, and just, like, t- packed them in the car, took my mom home, escorted my mom home uh-huh. with, like, oh. you know, 140 hits of mescaline. Wow. So she's done it all. Yeah. And, and what, like, what about uh, your dad? Uh, ex biker, um, who works in, who worked as an engineer before he passed away. Wow, wow. Like, didn't finish high school, didn't do anything, worked his way all the way up to, like, um, mm-hmm. was it, like, uh, floor manager? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're a sound technician. How did you get involved in, I mean, were you involved in sound tech, audio tech back when you were a kid? Uh, not at all. My dad's more, like, actually, I'd say more of a lighting, um, lighting technician, lighting design. Like, most of my work, I just got these sound design jobs recently okay. through um, one of my close friends and coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, who brought me on to these projects. But for the most part, I work in, like, lighting and lighting design. Okay. Um, and I wasn't even really, I guess, interested in this. When I was, like, a kid, I wanted to work in, like, um, English liter- literature. Mm-hmm. But, and my, my dad was an engineer. He used to get me all kinds of, like, really cool things to play with. Like, I remember he got me, like, a bread, an electrical breadboard when I was, like, seven years old. So I was playing with, like, LED lamps and stuff and, like, oh, turning nice. lights on, mm-hmm. figuring out how to make switches, like, timers. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And then, like, um, but, yeah, when my dad passed away, it was, like, a weird shift into, like, the art. And I shifted into, like, um, graphic design painting, like, mm-hmm. a lot of painting. 
And then I got brought on by one of our family friends who was an artistic director at a theater company. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, you're, like, young and able body Here, mm. like, come be a one of the flight crew for, uh -huh. like, Peter Pan. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Did you go to school? Did you st did you have any formal training in electrical design and electrical working with um, electrics? I went to school for, like, a little bit. I did, like, some classes in community college, but mm -hmm. it was, like, more for design and, like, trying mm -hmm. to get better at, like, programming. But for the most part, no, not at all. Honestly, um, Brittany Mellerson, I can completely credit her to, like, all mm -hmm. of my training. Sh like, to, I can credit her to actually getting me to the level to where I can, like, apply for lighting design jobs at theater companies around mm -hmm. where I live, like, down mm -hmm. in South Bay. Mm -hmm. And also do, like, I, I do high school, I do, like, lighting at high schools. It's, like, that's such a chill, cool job. Like, you yeah. show kids mm -hmm. how to, like, actually go, like, work with lights. Yeah. That's a fun thing. I love teaching kids how to work with lights. That was, like, mm -hmm. the one good thing about the Shakespeare Fest. But the only problem was that sometimes the kids didn't learn. Mm -hmm. And Shakespeare Fest, you're, like, it's just, like, um, they had those kids overworked. Mm -hmm. Oh. So they yeah. could not remember things. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Like, they were just, like, zombies, bro. Yeah. I, you <laughs> know, there are a lot of organizations. They'll just take young folks, and it's like, hey, listen, we just need to throw bodies in here. And they don't care whether they learn. They just want to keep the uh, so-called engine moving, yeah. and that's never good. Some of them, like, some of those kids, when they got, like, it's such a good feeling when, like, you can tell a kid, like, some something in your jargon. Like, you can say, like, um, grab, like, a source four with this gel and, like, mm -hmm. make sure to put up, like, this channel in this, like, system. And they, right. like, understand where, how to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just thinking. So I – because I, I dabble with um, – tech and sound uh, and that sort of stuff and I never had any tr formal training in that at all mm -hmm. but it was the as a lot of people know unless you're equity if you want to get a top paying job in theater nowadays you know you can do tech I mean you know I've been paid more as a stage manager than I have been as an actor oh, oh my god it's uh, really <laughs> it, honestly I think there needs to be a huge change with how we treat actors I don't understand the stigmas anymore and I don't understand the concepts like I feel that it's unfair to your actors that you can pay them like i have some i have some friends that like have paid to be in shows you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. like my boyfriend yeah, yeah. literally still has not been paid by the company yet oh no mm -hmm. like it's like a 400 dollar stipend they have not been given yet because the company's paranoid about ab5 right so we, oh, we talked about ab5 it. last yeah. week oh, oh yeah it goes yeah. on i mean i don't think we can talk about it too much it's <laughs> they better do something. And yeah. Oh man. Um, uh, it's a recurring thing, and we'll you know we'll see how it how it flushes itself out because a lot of folks like we had Will Will Hammond he uh, texted me right. and was like hey you know as a musician because he's a he's a session right. musician yeah. and it's affecting him I'm sure it'll affect Mara as well. Yep. I got to work a whole conference meeting held by TBA. Like mm -hmm. I did the um, lighting mm -hmm. for a whole TBA event where they talked about AB5, like they're going to different theater spaces across California to talk mm. about this. Mm. Oh, good. Like, and um, they went so in-depth about how this affects us. They took questions from people and beyond. But there were so many Bay Area theater directors, artists that were just there. Yeah. And it was like, um, it was jarring because they're honest about how this affects us as artists. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, me and Norman both work under like the same kind of contracts. Even if we're mm -hmm. just like paid like differently we work kind of under the same type of contract mm -hmm. where we're contractors we're like independent um independent workers but ab5 does this whole thing to where if we're not compensated mm -hmm. properly for all of our work mm -hmm. um 
for the company and the company has to pay fines and then these companies essentially would go bankrupt mm -hmm. um, not being able to pay because they already can't pay yeah like um, whatever for however the structure is they can't pay their actors to be in their shows mm -hmm. like enough let's just flat out say that and yeah. a lot of actors are getting like screwed over and I think that that's almost honestly we're gonna lose so many talented artists and I think this is I think they were gonna just this is just kind of a weird loss like mm -hmm. you know AB5 and that there's no like like the workarounds around it are there and Honestly, we just kind of have to wait until um, I know that they're rewriting it, that they're actually right. trying to improve it to make sure that it, that it specifically says that this does not affect, like, artists. That yeah. artists right. can, like, yeah. I do. I do get the feeling that a lot of theater companies, they use the excuse, well, we just don't have the money to pay the actors or whatever. I'm like, why have a show? Why have a production mm -hmm. if you don't have the money? Right. You know, Where's it go? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, if you if you know you don't have enough, don't even open your mouth and say we have a, we have a show or we have a season. Right. Just oh, don't do it. Yeah. Wait until you get the money. Wait until you get the grant or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, I, I can see that companies will sometimes take that crapshoot and hope that it's coming, or they depend on it coming and then find out it's not coming. So, yeah. oh well, yeah. Now that's yeah. And that that is one thing where they're like, hey, we've got the money and we'll cast or whatever. Oh no, we didn't. And, but and I also find I. So the thing uh, that we went, the film we went to last night, um, talked about this whole scene, how it grew, and how then things started to go away. And it felt to me like they were sort of missing the point. How do you keep doing it? Yeah. Um, and sorry, I don't want yeah. to attack like theater company. I don't want to attack like companies for doing this. I just want to say that like the system is mm -hmm. not like um, it's not sustainable for them. Like yeah. there needs to be like some kind of like I guess like added resource for like artists because oh sure yeah. it's, it's, there's always yeah. a money thing yeah. you don't no I don't think anyone's going to yeah. accuse you of attacking theaters mm -hmm. I will attack theater companies yes. you know don't don't yeah. open your mouth and say you're going to do a show and you don't have money yeah, you know, okay. just don't do it so that's coming from me but I have a question for you because when I was younger mm -hmm. so to supplement my going to school my going to college I did tech stuff I did lighting oper light mm -hmm. operating sound operating um, if a theater had, you know, um, spot-up uh, spot or flies, yeah. counterweight operator. Mm. So I did all of that stuff while going through school. But I never really – I never saw myself as like an outside contractor and knowing how to discuss business or to discuss, right. you know, how I'm getting right. paid or negotiating. Right. Have you had to – of course you deal with that now, but how has that been? So the transition was really jarring, honestly, from like – so when I first started, I was like – like technically, I was a flight crew, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was off of a stipend. They paid right. me like um, nine hundred bucks to do like a six, seven week run. Okay, to Japan. Yeah, and yeah. I was only there for like technical. So it was like you know two months, mm -hmm. which was you know kind of worth it. Just kind of in the evenings, I was still going to school. I had like a part time job. I was mm -hmm. able to work with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but like when the demand changed from like doing like. Like the change into like working into like electric and carp work and actually being like trained enough to do the jobs mm -hmm. that paid better, mm -hmm. the the growth to get there was really difficult to try and negotiate pay for yeah. certain jobs. Like after, so when I was like learning at certain places, like I would take a lower rate because I just wasn't on. I was like, you know, I was taking like the fifteen dollar rate. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got really experienced, I was actually able to like just finish systems in half the time. Mm -hmm. um, they would try and like 
give me less still like after nego and I would negotiate for more because I'm getting better and better training that I can do the stuff on I, yeah. I can do the work of like two electricians at this point so like just you know like yeah. give me a pay bump and I'd have these places that would be like no we're not gonna and I'd have other places that say oh you can do that here's more so yeah. it's like it's it's difficult but also I feel like it's weird that technicians get paid like hard hour rates like mm -hmm. a lot of technicians get paid like hard hour rates but like stage management doesn't yeah it's a little weird and being a stage manager uh you usually it's a flat fee mm -hmm. you know you and and the reason why I'd asked you, because as a younger person, I didn't have the, um, I don't know, the temerity or whatever to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm worth something, you know. I was just happy to have a job. It's like, oh, you're going to pay me that? Okay, great. And maybe in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, I wish I wish I had a little bit more. But also, I wanted to pat my resume up a little bit. But you're right, stage managers, usually, someone tells me, hey, we want to hire you as a stage manager. Matter of fact, that's my next gig. I'll be right. stage managing for um, Plethos and the DMT. Awesome. Uh, what is this? Here. It is tiny, beautiful, tiny, beautiful things. Tiny, tiny beautiful, beautiful things. things. Yes. Yeah, I've seen posts for that. Have they? When are auditions? Uh, I think next week or the week after next. I'll uh, let you know. But in any case, they'll tell yeah, me. Hey, put that. I'm just saying. We should put that out. <laughs> yeah. No, we we will. But in any case, uh, they say, hey, listen, this is the amount that I want to give you, and it's my up to me. And y y it took me to be in my 30s or whatever to say, well, I think I'm worth a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, up it up a little bit more. But I had to have the. Um, I don't know the balls to say that, mm -hmm. and you you have that. I mean, you. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've been lowball, and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not just happy to get a job. Yeah. I want what it's worth. What I'm worth. Mm -hmm. Well, also, it's kind of like I feel like as technicians, it's kind of like a time thing because I feel like with actors, I feel like paying the complication with paying artists is that is me. I'm sorry. The excuse for uh, the complication of paying artists is that like artists like have a very unique time frame of when they work. Sometimes as like Norman, when you like are preparing for a role, you work like, like off stage, out of rehearsal room, <laughs> so Constantly, much, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, you put so much time and effort into that show on top of like whatever work you're doing for like another show or some other project, mm -hmm. or just like to live. Like you know what I mean? Like right. you're stacking work, but well, you're stacking so much time. Like, and you know part of part of the reason you are is because you want it to be really good mm -hmm. so you you get beyond oh i got this far with it what else do i want to do how else can i you know how else can i find this moment or play with it yeah no it's like you as an artist should be like and right that's the artistic an, side yeah, you as an artist should be compensated for like the artistic impact that you take out of your own time your mm -hmm. own like your own soul into the show or as like um, sometimes for me, like I will get paid essentially more than some of the actors do when I right. run in, I hang lights, I right. throw up stuff, like mm -hmm. essentially just like do something. I don't even get to see the show sometimes, mm -hmm. and you know it's it's frustrating because then there are like um, these long haul jobs where I'm like actually designing, working a show, like mm -hmm. I'm going through the rehearsal process, mm -hmm. like when I'm do I'm doing. Um, I'm doing the assistant sound design for the show called Sugar in Our Wounds. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's NCTC's like um, like upcoming like uh, slave play. It's really mm -hmm. deep, oh, interesting. dark, emotional. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like trying to get money has been such a weird thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm mean, a little theory. I think people can interpret intangible work as work. 
you know, like artistic work is usually intangible. It's like, mm -hmm. well, we hire you as an actor, and these are the acting, these are the schedule that we have for you to come in. But of course, you're absolutely right, Daniel. I mean, you know, we are spending time off off stage, or not in the rehearsal studio, learning lines, mm -hmm. right. examining beats or whatever, yeah. uh, doing all sorts of other stuff. And even as a designer, you know, you're working when you're not on, you know, on stage, mm -hmm. you like know, putting things together. Oh, definitely, lighting designers. Um, yeah, it's obviously like every show is at least like two days of just office work at home. Like mm -hmm. it is like at a computer plotting, mm -hmm. design, writing down channels. Um, John, John was incredible. Uh, John Bernard, a line designer mm -hmm. for um, As You Like It, and I think it was uh, Midsummer's Night Dream before. Mm -hmm. Incredible line designer. He's an Emmy for like. Uh, he's done like master electrician work for like outside lands and like big big concert mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. The guy, yeah, yeah, he's just you know been in history, but he's right. just chilling like doing theater with us. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like as he he can bump out this paperwork in a day, it is incredible. Uh -huh. Like this stuff usually takes people like two three days to finish. Mm -hmm. He can like blast it out in a day, but that's still office work that he is putting away. Right. Yeah. Like that he is kind. And here's the thing. You, we agree to like a flat rate for all this. We don't get paid for any of this like cre like quote unquote like creative work. Right. We, this is like our heart and soul that is a kind of like almost like expected of us as artists. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. almost yeah. kind of like a, like an entitled like in mm -hmm. like entitlement of our work. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's like um, on some artists who survive off of this, like this is like what we want to do. It feels like weird that like we can't. Yeah, all yeah. evenly be compensated. Like companies, understandably, don't have money. But there are some companies that do have money. Like, of course. Like, I want to say something. ACTC is paying less and less and less. Interesting. For hmm. all of their technicians, like uh -huh. their hour rate has dropped ten dollars in mm -hmm. the last two years as wow. SF prices have gone wow. up. Wow. And it's ACTC that, like, you know, they have. They don't really even need the money because yeah. they have people funding them. Like, they have now a is list ACT of the same as ACTC? No, a, no, not ACTC. ACT, like um, okay. like uh, American Conservatory Theater. Yeah, like, okay, the okay, big yeah, yeah, ACT, yeah. Sorry, right, yeah. ACTC. Sorry, ATC, the big Conservatory Theater. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They have dropped their rates down from like twenty seven yeah, to like eighteen bucks. It is. How do they get away with it? Because people are desperate to get that name on the resume or something. I don't know. They just do. You know, I really do believe that it's up to. I mean, to put the onus on us. If I accept a job, I mean, there's one company that you and I know very well. I'm not going to throw their names out. They will only pay, you know, just a, a stipend, you know, based just enough to get onto the Barton back. Mm -hmm. And they always talk about, well, you know, we're a tiny little company, but they've been around for at least 50, <laughs> more than 50 oh. years or so, mm. and they have their own space. And if you accept it, they'll continue to do it. Right. It's up until you say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be cast. You know, I may get that proverbial... I mean, we're at the point now, Norman, where a lot of times we don't need, even need to audition anymore. You know, we'll just get an email or a text message saying, hey, sometimes. we need you for a role or whatever. Yeah, sometimes we still, uh, you mm -hmm. know, audition. And if I accept it, that's on me, especially if I accept, the, you know, what mm -hmm. the pay is. But if I can say, hey, listen, this is the amount that I want. It's something Kari Moy talked about when he was on. It's like, listen, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm, uh, where I'm negotiating. Right. Whether it's through the bat or, you know, whatever. Like, uh... The company is like you know profiting off of like the company no matter what not nonprofit or profit for mm -hmm. profit is essentially still profiting off of your creative work. They are still making money off mm -hmm. of like um, they making like a whole 
that are like you know from a whole bunch of works they're making money from like still your creative effort and your creative design mm-hmm. and like the work that you put in and even for like backstage technicians um stage managers like all these people that do um the technical work as well mm-hmm. that's still like their creative time yeah but like art like the actual people that have to like sit through rehear- like rehearsals like Honestly, it m- really kind of infuriates me how much we don't pay, like, yeah. just, like, the stage actors and how, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like, um, we as, com- like, we as, like, a, uh, as, like, an industry don't recognize that because, honestly, what shows be without, like, good actors? And there are yeah, so yeah, that's true. There are so many, like, good actors that are not getting paid. They're just getting paid absolute shit. Excuse mm-hmm. me. This yeah, no, you're absolutely shit. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a quick question for you, getting to the artistic side. So, as especially for, as a sound designer, it is something that we've talked off mic before. What is the interaction like between you and the director, where the director's like, "Hey, listen, I'm looking for a particular sound," and but I can't really describe it. I mean, because there's an artistry mm-hmm. in creating a sound palette. I mean, I'm not talking about something as simple as, hey, I need a gunshot, but I need, like, let's say, ambient sound. Yeah, so um, this is a big one. So Sugar No Wounds is like a tree that has like a huge magical effect. It actually speaks to people, mm. but also it has like its own like motif and setting and mm-hmm. is definitely like something we want as like a world breaker. Like this is like a definitive um, like change between like scenes and days like this yeah. is something that is like going to be an active ambient sound effect mm-hmm. and like um my questions were like so what would you want for like do you want this big kind of woof sound effect do you want this big kind of push mm-hmm. sound to mm-hmm. change these scenes like do you want it to be like trees do you want it to be an actual wind sound do you want it to be like chimes wood like what kind of like you want this to be kind of a swell and then like a drop like a breath yeah, like yeah. this is the input that I'm bringing in as like an artist for this design mm-hmm. you know what I mean like these are the questions yeah. I'd ask yeah and has it been I mean because a lot of times when it comes to artistry you have to have a very good rapport with let's say the directors like I've got to if I bring something in it's very abstract but you know the 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 vibe has to be good there are the times yeah. I may bring something in and the director's like eh you know, I just don't like it mm-hmm. at all. If 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 the connection's good and let's say he he or she likes what you bring in, that's fantastic. But it can be dicey. I mean, do you worry? Oh my goodness, if I bring this in, they may not like it at all. Oh, absolutely. That like that's why I don't bring in like one sound effect. The way that I do sounds is I would have like one thing I'm gonna so I'm gonna go to Alaska for two and a half weeks. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm gonna have a nice little vacation where I'm gonna be doing nothing but. Smoking. You bringing your boyfriend? Um, nah, it's just gonna be uh, a bunch of. So it's gonna be what we call the London tour group. Okay. So part of the origin story about theater is mm-hmm. that in right out of high school, right before I got the job, I yeah. got to go on a whole trip to London, like two and a half weeks in London. Wow, cool! That toured through a bunch of like theaters and such. Like mm-hmm. we got to take a bunch of acting classes, and we met these kids from Alaska. Like mm-hmm. this guy, um, Logan and Taylor. Uh, Logan and. Um, girlfriend Taylor have become like my best friends over the course of like five years mm-hmm. and I've only been able to hang out with them like twice in my life like mm-hmm. I've only been I've only seen Logan twice mm-hmm. last time I went to Alaska mm-hmm. and when we were in London like four or five years five years ago now. okay so you get to hang out with them again cool and yeah. so that is going to be also a time where I'm going to be developing different sounds so okay. I'm going to hmm. be so I'm going to like as my designer wants like you know kind of like 
these sounds and this. Mm -hmm. I don't want. I want to give them a selection because the way that this director works, mm -hmm. directors work differently. The way that my director works is that he doesn't have a set vision. He doesn't have like something that he wants perfect. Yeah. He wants, um, but he knows exactly what he doesn't want. He yeah. has like a list of things that would not do it. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of like examples of what would, but not exactly what's going to do it. Yeah. So my job is to basically create from what he's got, find something mm -hmm. like that, and get something better. Out yeah. Of it. Now, what software tools do you use? Like my go-to software device is Ableton Live. That's an app that I've used mm -hmm. for years and years. Um, big fan of Reaper. Big fan Reaper's of Reaper's good. Uh, big fan of uh, was it FL Studio on mobile? Fruity Loops. Mobile. Yeah. Okay, the mobile <laughs> app is actually it's for like fifteen dollars compared yeah. to the like computer the full computer software. Yeah. Oh my god! Like. The capabilities, like I've made, I've been able to make full songs, like oh, nice. full, like, like ambient tracks, like you know, you can do anything on that, yeah, and just like, you know, send it out, yeah, like. And for folks who don't know, it. these what we're talking about: Fruity Loops, Reaper, Ableton Live. These are DAWs, Digital Audio Workstations. They're basically software where you can lay tracks. Track yeah. one could be leaf sounds. Track two could be traffic sounds, and track three could be, you know, piano music mm -hmm. or something like that. And you can learn it all. Like, uh, I remember using uh, Audacity in high school yeah. to make like shitty mashups. Where you, uh, <laughs> you guys yeah. ever, you guys hear those th things where it's like, um, you know, it's a rapper's like um, rap track over like a video game song. Oh mm. yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. So like we used to do that shit where we used to like um, take like one rapper's like two track where we take like um, a Drake beat and then put it over like a chant song. Yeah. And like, yo, it makes that chant song go way harder. Or yeah. we'd like. One terrible one would be like putting, um, like, uh, big meme was like Evanescence, mm -hmm. like, uh, with yeah. like, um, Bring Me to Life, I think. Yes. And then putting that on like everything, but trying to figure out how to sneak it in or how to make it sound really good on the track. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I mean, like, everything. Like, there are like a bunch of J. Cole tracks I have on like my SoundCloud uh -huh. that are just like trying to find, um, how to just get. You know, bring me to life to sneak into like the track and the mm -hmm. beat. It's just dumb, but yeah, you, you played with that as a kid. Yeah, and Audacity. I mean, Audacity is very, very basic, but you know, now there are other more powerful ones. Oh, it's definitely for like, it's such a good first one mm -hmm. to like be dumb with. Yeah, but uh, I gotta say, Reaper's probably like it's. Yeah, and accessible. I believe it's still free. Yeah, no, it's still free and very you, powerful. And you can like, there are like some sound packs you can buy, but there are millions of sound packs that are just free you know what I yeah mean? yeah like, quick question for you norman as a director because yes, i've gotten lost in <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay it's, no oh, it's yeah. been great just yeah. to hear the flow yeah. was nice but the as a director how has it been have you had good experiences bad experiences working with sound designers through the years i feel like i've been so lucky i've, I've worked with incredible designers mm -hmm. and I, rem I remember once i got hired last minute to direct a piece and it was just a chaotic process. Three writers, musical, new musical, three writers in the room creating it oh, as we're going along. Oh, oh, I just got dumped in the middle of this, and I was like, whoa. So they're going to bring the show up in this little tiny space. I'm thinking they don't really have much of a budget, and it shows in many ways. So when the light tech comes in and talks about what they're going to do, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh. Okay. Um, 
are you going to use this space or are you going to use that space? There were levels also as well, mm -hmm. all this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. Um, they said, I've only got this many instruments, so don't, if you're not going to be in this area, don't, you know, yeah. don't expect this. And I really did. I swear to God, I staged around that. My actors would take these greedy moments mm -hmm. <laughs> and slip over into another area of the stage. And so by the time we do our first run through, the designer's just going, I can adjust it. I you know mm -hmm. I can go with that. Yeah. Like, oh. I know how that can drive lighting designers crazy. It's like, wait a minute, I don't have an instrument to oh, light that area. Okay. <laughs> as a as a lighting designer, mm. like as a lighting designer, like mm -hmm. actors, like if you're a block somewhere, like it, it's so good if you keep your blocking. Like right. I, I literally <laughs> am so happy at the consistency. Mm -hmm. But I swear to God, find your light. And right. I swear yes. to God, when you're in a hole, it looks so bad on you, man. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. like, it breaks my heart when there are beautiful actors yeah. that you can't see. And the worst actors are like, excuse me, I'm not lit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but go, on, go, ahead, go, go ahead, Norman. <laughs> you made me lose my train. <laughs> but you were talking about now. Here's a question for you, Norman. Um, yeah, it's okay. No, I'd love it. Do you, when you come into, let's say, um, you know, someone's hired you to do a piece or whatever, do you have the thoughts of what you want to do, lighting or sound wise, in your head? Well, so I'll continue with that story. Yeah. Um, so we do our first run through. Lighting designers in my face. What's going on here? You told me nothing was going to happen there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, you know, I've been trying to. You know, I'm not prop <laughs> something that needs fixing. Basically, like is my attitude. Mm -hmm. But by the time we finish the conversation, he's already gone. Well, wait. Okay, okay. Don't worry about it. Next time we see lights, all these other areas have this really interesting lighting. I'm still giving the note. Please don't on the ramp that goes from the lower mm -hmm. level to the upper level. Don't hang out in the middle. But one guy made that monologue land. He just could not. <laughs> I'm like, stay up on the upper platform. It's much stronger, please. No, I must disappear out of my light. <laughs> but it sounds like the designer tried to make adjustments so to fit the actor. Well, so, and then there was this other little spot over here that they kept lingering in that I was trying to pull them center stage, but they wouldn't. They kept hugging this little short wall. Lighting designer says, so one of the things I was thinking about and this was starting to become popular around town, was using fluorescence. Mm. And I was like, hmm, we've got a science scene that could actually be fun. And then there's the whole battle Practical. thing. So like they said, I think I can use one circuit and do that. I can wire that. So, oh, cool. So the next time the designer comes in, the actors have now decided that actually it wasn't them. This was totally the designer. Mm. The designer watched the run-through as, you know, pretty much hitting our marks and starts thinking, oh, that needs to be different over there. And I'm like, what? Wouldn't it be cooler if I had the fluorescence on both sides? And I'm like, I, one, and I don't know. And two, yes, of course, it would be balanced like in front <laughs> of the audience. It would be, oh, my God, it would be incredible. But you can split that. Oh, no. And so we do a run-through like that. And comes back and says, how's that? I'm like, oh, my God, that's gorgeous. Is there any way you can split that one off? <laughs> and I got this look like, I will kill you. And I'm like, I'm just asking. Actually, maybe there is. Ends up putting this weird little splitter up in the booth mm -hmm. <laughs> off to the side for that one moment when it was just going to be one side. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know nothing. I don't know what you You know, I think that's something that, like, I guess, you know, as a technician, that is, like, my big thing I love doing, problem mm -hmm. solving. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. like, yeah. Like, um, I guess that's kind of what 
I guess earns my pay would be like uh, innovative problem solving. Like I've had like events where things break. I've had events where things don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, or th- events where we don't have like the right equipment. Right. So you just make it work. But also there are like theater designs where you can just add what you're missing. Like mm-hmm. and if the theater has the space and the capabilities and you have like the wire long enough, mm-hmm. you can make it work. Right. Yeah. I remember there was one show, I'm looking at the poster now, uh, uh, Summer Shorts, and the late Mike Ward, who is no longer oh, with us, nice. but uh, he, so it was a collection of uh, short stories, and there were multiple directors, multiple actors, and of course, multiple lighting designs, and of course, we were doing tech, paper tech, and the poor lighting designer was in tears, literally in tears, because the director was like, I want this, I want the moon, I want the stars, I want Mercury here, and I want Jupiter here, and I want this here and that here, just asking all sorts of things that are well beyond the scope of, you know, and I think this is the exit theater. I think this is exit. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) No, I've worked at exit. That's why I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there were no, I mean, you could not only were there not enough um, instruments, instruments, Mm -hmm. But you're lighting five different – this is one director saying, I want this, that, and that. I'm like, okay, well, if I have this set for you, what about the other directors who need their lightings set a particular way? Aren't you guys working with one another? Which, of course, they weren't. Mm -mm. So here's a question for you, Daniel. Have you had to deal with difficult directors? (laughs) (laughs) I luckily have not. I've been lucky that most of my directors don't have, like – they don't have perfect designs. I've been Mm -hmm. really lucky because, you know, directors – the beauty is that you usually pick your lighting designer. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. so I naturally would take jobs from directors that I like, mm-hmm. and a lot of those directors have always been good to me. Um, whether it be like adjusting designs, sometimes I would just give them things that they did not like anticipate and make them happy. Like mm-hmm. that is like a perk of the job is kind of giving the director what they do want before mm-hmm. they even want it. Yeah. But no, I've not had. Um, bad directors there have been a couple like matchbox jobs that are like a little hard because it's you know for it's like five, like four different stories mm-hmm. like four different directors that don't really uh that don't have a chance to talk to each other mm-hmm. sometimes they do and then you can work all the de- designs cohesively so right. it all kind of like looks really nice mm-hmm. but um for the most part it's kind of like yeah, no, I've not had a director that's... Yeah. I, I can... Yeah, I've had directors be terror. I've seen directors have screaming fits at other lighting designers and other sound designers. <laughs> yeah. But I've lucky not to been in that position. Yeah, because I would think that a lighting designer would say, listen, before you guys talk about anything, this is what we can do. <laughs> bip, 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 bip. And mm. this is your parameters. I love that. I'm s- so somebody else we're hoping to get on is uh, Tammy. Mm-hmm. Tammy Berlin. Berlin, yes. Oh, man. And... Whew. So she was my costume on the show, mm-hmm. and it was a one-unit set, um, but it was supposed to be a kitchen-living room arrangement with an outside door and a sculpture garden on top of each other. Mm. So there's, like, big, massive rock next to the refrigerator. In fact, there has to be because Grandma turns around in the wheelchair and bangs her leg on it. Mm. You know, it's so practical. Yeah. It has to, it's such a gorgeous thing. And the mood of the play is this idea. The big metaphor is that this woman has tried to deal with her life experience by becoming a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And everything is around. Tammy comes to me and says, I've been talking to the lighting designer. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do this period. I think it's like 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I'm going to take all of their clothing and I'm going to dip it in gray mm. just to give it a rinse. And except for the one daughter, there's an adopted daughter who's coming home to her blood family, meeting her blood family. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one who's going to have any other quality in that palette. And mm-hmm. I was like, what an amazing idea. Oh, my God. Why don't you direct? <laughs> she yeah, is like, so incredible. Did that change the lighting of the costume? I mean, No, they had, they had worked it out before she told me. And that's the thing. She also just came to me and told me what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great for a designer to tell you what the solution is instead of asking you yeah. what the solution is. <laughs> also, like, that's something that I think is so incredible is when designers work together. Like, I love mm-hmm. – um, Honestly, like I feel like a good production manager can get their designers to talk about their designs before they actually like implement them. Like you have, like uh, I think it's so good to have a lighting designer, a costume designer, a set designer all talk to each other. Oh yes. Like all be in the same room mm-hmm. when they're really formulating their designs, mm-hmm. because when you can have like lighting play off somebody's clothes yep. while they're like on a set piece and have a yep. set piece interact with the lighting itself. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant stained glass windows on set pieces that. Um, that are illuminated in uh-huh. certain unique ways. Brilliant. Oh. Sheer clothing that changes color and light mm-hmm. where you can have an actor just walk across the stage. Their skin tones, their um, neutral colors, no change. But the dress, the flares, the uh, motifs, mm. color change. Huge major shifts. Right, right. Incredible. Like, Yeah, and you know, I, I see so much of the opposite happen where you have, let's say, a director talk to one designer and then another designer. And everyone is totally separate. And then you try to put it together during tech where there's so many other things going on. And, you know, more more often than not, I think this is a much bigger tech conversation, (laughs) which we need to be having. Yeah, yeah. One uh, one question. How much math do you need to know, um, especially as far as, like, knowing how much electricity is flowing from one to another? Very basic. It's kind of like um, my thinking is that, like, most outlets can take a certain amount of like watts. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of flat out. So you're able to do with so much with that wattage number of your lights. And then you have to think about like um, voltage is in the concept of like how fast things go. Wattage mm-hmm. is like actual numbers. Yeah. And amps are like how much power you would need. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. That's mm-hmm. literally kind of like the most of it. Um, and for the most part, in Sage Electrics, the nice thing is that um, it's all designed around that. So you mm. don't actually have to be putting in mm. all of that thinking and all right. that math. Okay. Um, I think it's very, very important. Yeah, because I would think, you know, I don't know if, because I've never been a lighting designer mm-hmm. where you have to think about that or you have, let's say, someone who's a chief electrician. And maybe you're working with light that are already there. You're not renting anything out. You're not installing any other instruments or whatever so like uh for example like the shakespeare fest is a really good example and was a huge learning curve because Mm. you actually have to build all of your power Mm. like you have to you bring the generator to this like it's literally just a park and Mm. we bring the stage we bring the lighting towers we bring everything Mm. so you'd have to bring the um the generator you'd have to run it Mm -hmm. to like the dimmer rack, which would essentially be how you controlled all the light levels. Yeah. 
Um, and then you'd also have to be able to power like you know backstage sound. Yeah. And like. Um, yeah, you have to factor all sorts of things. Yeah, like since I was the ME, that meant I was in charge of like everybody's like electricity. Right. So that meant I have to get like make sure everybody has enough power, and that mm-hmm. also it's all run properly. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I don't have too many lamps plugged in, so mm-hmm. something doesn't blow out. Right. Um. There were actually like like one of the complications is sometimes like we just don't actually have like I have to be honest I blew through my budget in like the first two weeks of like mm-hmm. well I'm sure like, there are things you know this like trying to prepare for this yeah I'm like, sure there were things that came up and you were like oh wow I didn't anticipate that and one of the big things was like we weren't able to get enough lamps at a low enough wattage mm. so I had the I essentially had to like help reprogram a show so that it would look exactly how my designer wanted mm-hmm. while also being able to take this wattage capacity because if those lights went all the way over it would trip the breaker right. wow. i remember um one of my interns who we specifically told not to touch the board ran to the board without telling me um mm-hmm. to go do something because they couldn't find me yeah so they said so the stage manager said hey go get daniel to go uh bring up more light and yeah. they said i'm gonna go do the and they just said i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna go touch the board and turn the lights on so they put everything at full Right. Like, they literally didn't know anything. They didn't know, like, oh, the goodness. plot, the channels. Mm-hmm. They didn't know the actual, like, what lights, numbers, and right. so on. Mm-hmm. They literally put, like, one through 200 channels, like, all of the channels oh my at full. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, you watched all the lights come on, and you saw, like, four of them just, like, literally just turn off right away. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where it was just, like, because oh, um, yeah. if the breaker, the breakers um, just flip, cut off connection when it gets too high so mm-hmm. that it doesn't snap. Yeah. Um, sometimes it blows a fuse. Right. So that, that's when it gets serious. She blew two fuses. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like so mad because I all that was like that was all of my electricity. Yeah. I didn't have any free dimmer. But you can't yell at the in, you can't yell at the intern. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was just like, I was like, I was just disappointed. We told <laughs> you not to do this. And you still did this. I like I have talked yeah. to you. I was like I've taken you aside yeah. to talk about this. I'm just. But I'm I'm so impressed <laughs> that you did all of this, and you were you had to be 22 years old, right? I was 21 the first time I did this. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That was oh, and here's the thing again: no college, real college experience. Didn't even finish college. Mm-hmm. Didn't finish finish community college because mm-hmm. I ended up getting work to sustain myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my. I think the funniest thing is that, like, now, as the more experience I get, I get more high-paying jobs that mm-hmm. expect a lot less of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so weird, because, like, um, as, like, a starting-out technician, mm-hmm. I'd be busting ass. I'd be, right. like, going, like, out to nowhere, like, Walnut yeah. Creek, like, mm-hmm. Mountain View in, like, the same day. Yeah. Like, to be getting work. Um and they'd be running me around. I'd be hanging lights. I'd be focusing lights. I'd be running upstairs, going down ladders, like mm-hmm. jumping across catwalks. Mm-hmm. And now, like these, te- there are like a bunch of like house tech jobs where I'm like facilitating like an um, entire venue mm-hmm. for like a client or whatnot, or I'm just doing small stuff. Some of those jobs, honestly, I got paid like twenty bucks to just sit on my ass for like four hours like because the client doesn't show up but they rent out the space and are paying me Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like oh my god and i had to have like all this experience for this job Mm -hmm. and honestly it feels so easy to me now yeah but no i feel like uh i'm kind of frustrated that so much of my education was never in college like college i learned a lot of like technical stuff for Mm -hmm. like computers and programming Mm -hmm. um high school i learned how to actually touch lights Mm -hmm. but like 
oh my god, working in the field, actually like handling yeah. lights, seeing like the thousands of like different instruments yeah. and setups. It's a recurring cool. theme. We've had actors say, you know, we've t- you know, we did all this acting training in college, but I've learned most just by doing it, mm-hmm. by getting out in the field. Yeah. Because like it's funny, the process um, when you're actually doing it is so much more applicable than trying to figure out the process. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I think my only struggle now is just trying to like, like remember the work after I've done it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's kind of a weird state where if I'm doing like, like right now I'm like stacked on like three jobs. Mm-hmm. Like um, when I come out of February, I'll be doing like Zebolo, um, mm. Marshall Word, mm-hmm. um, uh, this like show everybody at Stanford, and then I'm also doing like Sugar in Our Wounds on top of all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like that hustle. Yeah, but I also hate how I kind of feel like I get lost, and there's some really good shows that I've done that I'm like, oh my god, I've completely forgotten about that. <laughs> right, like because you keep working, yeah. Oh my god, like sometimes like I forget that mm-hmm. Dave Norman like did as you like it because I just like you know Norman's cool. He's like mm-hmm. he's like one of the cool actors like I can hang out with. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> We've hit the one hour mark, but here's a uh, one last question: mm-hmm. the future of theater. I mean. Um, what do, you, what do you want to do in the future? Do you want to do other things like rock concerts or other venues or we whatever? We already or do stuff like that, don't we? Oh, um, I recently have been, like, stretching into, like, event stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I've been taking on to a couple. Mostly so, like, those union jobs, you can get, like, work where you actually work for, like, big concert stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not before the stars get there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. But, um, no, right now I've been doing, like, lighting events because those are really nice, chill lighting events. And you get paid mm-hmm. a lot of money. And right. they just hand you food and drinks. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. uh, there's this one wedding where um, I was supposed to be, like, facilitating it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was, like, turning off, like, two lights and making sure, like, <laughs> making sure, wait, the fire dancer had the right lighting. Because they also, like, the fire dancer and the ribbon dancers to make sure that it's lighting. Because it's that kind of a wedding. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, like, five hours of, like, literally just kind of watching a show, eating food. Uh-huh. Kind of, like, letting everybody have fun. When you're enjoying yourself, and, uh, you know, it sounds like all the work. I mean, there are times where you do really, really hard work, and then there are times where you're just chilling. But, you know, you've, uh, you've, you know, you've gotten, you built up a really good resume, you know, at this very young age. Every day that I relax, I think back about how much I busted my butt, and I'm thankful that I'm there. And also, mm. I'm, I'm also really thankful that I've met both of you guys, because this is, like, through working theater. This is, like... Um, these are like the really cool connections you can make by like running these jobs, like mm-hmm. doing this Yeah, there you go. Like there you go. And mm-hmm. the connections, everything. Um, before I forget, mm-hmm. yes, two years ago, oh. and, and these are the Ooh. these are I may get you because these are people that I brought in. I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing that. Okay, two years ago we had this person on. It sounds like abusive, but it was funny, and it got a laugh because uh-huh. it's like, all right, we got to plop Wiley out the window again uh-huh. into the courtyard, and and for some reason he that just like is the definitive, uh-huh. you know, class clown moment for me. But right. this guy was great. He was doing well. He wasn't in it, but they were doing a production of Oliver yeah. at Saylock, mm-hmm. and a couple of actors came to perform for the the entire school, mm-hmm. and Mr. Franks actually kept these two actors afterwards to to see me mm-hmm. to encourage me to audition. Okay, that was Wiley Herman. Oh. <laughs> and, ah, Wi- and Wiley okay. Herman, two years ago, uh, he he came on. He's he's a uh, actor, but he's also doing tall. film. Yeah, tall uh, white guy. Uh, he he's doing more film. He was in Sorry to Bother You. Oh, oh okay. that's awesome. Yeah, with a uh, was that a Boots Riley thing? Or, or yeah, it was Boots yeah. Riley. Okay, yeah. So that was two years ago. Oh. Wiley Herman. 
one year ago. Or did you travel? I did, yeah. Um, well, I had a year of, okay, what do I do? Um, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things like, okay, do I go to New York? Do I go to L.A.? Do I stay home and try to be local? Um, and so I ended up getting uh, a theater like administration job at SHN. Mm -hmm. And Very that's, what, nice. that's well. what brought me back to the Bay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I worked mm. in customer service and ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, that is Crystal Piamanchi Zhang. Uh, uh, who recently became uh, Equity, and uh, she's, I think she's acting at ACT. Uh, she's really moved up since yeah. she's uh, been here. Uh, she was a bendel stiffer. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that. All right. Uh, Shout-outs. Birthdays. Right. Birthdays. I, I think, I hope we've had the longest list ever as we <laughs> pass that. What were people doing nine months ago? Ah, Becky Hirschfield is... <laughs> an actress that I've met in varying other kinds of gigs. Um, I've never actually seen her act. <laughs> but I think she's fantastic, mm -hmm. just from the other encounters I've had with her. Um, Steve Ortiz I went to college with. Do you know Steve? No, maybe uh, if I saw his face. Um, we yeah we came out of San Francisco State together, and I love when we get a chance to um, collaborate even if it's just a reading but um, there have been some neat projects that he's doing and as well as I'm doing so it's kind of nice to have that longevity with somebody uh, Kevin Kevin Hammond is somebody I only worked with once uh, he came out to direct Hamlet for the Arabian Shakespeare Festival mm. he's a Canadian Okay. Uh, Mickey Bellin is somebody I, I felt like I was cheating a little bit this is a South Bay community activist very wanting to bring, you know, Asian theater into the South Bay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met her through Jeannie. Oh, nice. Um, Alex Matthew is an actress, and I'm not sure. I know we've <laughs> talked, but I, I don't think we've ever actually worked together. Laura Derry, on the other hand, is an improviser and a Star Trek junkie. <laughs> okay. And uh, her birthday's coming up. And we worked together for over a decade doing the, uh, the middle school project that I do down down on the peninsula. Mm -hmm. Sean O'Neill, uh, you know the, the picture of the black power guys at the Olympics? Oh, yeah. The two guys standing there, and then yeah. there's the other white guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean O'Neill was the other white guy in the African-American Shakespeare Company when we started. Mm. Oh. He was the <laughs> white guy in everything that we could put him in. He's fantastic. Yeah. He was wonderful. Hey, it's like in Living Color, word. you have, uh, what's the uh, the comedian? Um, oh, um, uh, Carrie. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my first daughter ever on stage, I think, um, Emily Kishian, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, she played Ophelia to my um, Polonius. Oh yeah, oh. okay. Yeah. And Hamlet. Oh, it was it was twisted. When you did the Arabian Shakespeare company. Yeah, same. Yeah, really yeah. Awesome. She did a fantastic job. I would love to have she her. She was fantastic. Yeah. No, it'd be great to have her on. Mm -hmm. And then last one I've got is Brian Quickenbush. Um, Brian was part of a company called Ra Round Belly mm -hmm. Productions. Uh, they were sort of on the border between Oakland and Berkeley. And um, they were making crazy theater for a few years. And I had high hopes for that company. I was really bummed. When <laughs> but he was uh, the guy who helped put it together, and he was sort of the ringmaster. I first saw him in a production of Twelfth Night, and he was uh, Malvolio. Oh, he was heaven. He, he was the best thing in the show by far. 
And, and it was almost in the round. Like, there was a Ooh. little area that they could get away to. But other than that, mm-hmm. they were really playing in the space. He was fantastic. He was so wonderful. And then I got to, we got to collaborate years later. I ran a space in West Oakland, which at some point we will have to talk about more. Okay. Um, the Noodle Factory. The Noodle Factory. I was wondering yeah. about that. Oh, what a name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, his organization came in to use our space, and we connected and bonded immediately. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I'm giving them, equi- I got nothing, and I'm giving them equipment mm-hmm. to support what they're doing. So That's awesome. Brian, and then they moved back east. Yeah, and I hope he's still doing theater. So, so the Noodle Factory, just to touch on that, because mm-hmm. I remember when we were there, there was sort of still in construction. Is it all? Is it all nice and clean? Oh, the, all that stuff got done, and then you know it was as the economy tanked. So the uh. bank said payment due, and the land trust said we don't have it. If this economic model that we gave mm. you doesn't work, we mm. don't have any money. And they eventually got it taken away from them. Oh. So it was a brief and shining moment of yeah. a performing arts space that I ran. And one quick moment, we were there, and, you know, it's like, boom. Uh, that was gorgeous. <laughs> we well, I've got only three. Um, I think you may have left this one for me. Ron Drell McCormick. Um, I did, yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he is uh, he's doing fantastic things. Uh, we had him on. He's well, wait a minute. His birthday was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, that's why it wasn't on mine. My <laughs> list always starts on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so his birthday was yesterday, and he is an actor. He's both in done both film and also the theater. Uh, also, uh, Bridget Dutta Portman. Now, we brought her on. Mm-hmm. Her birthday is the third, and she is a uh, playwright. Uh, I've worked with her in the um, – the um, oh shucks, um, playwright center for San Francisco, and she's she her she's done works you know um, really all through the United States. She's mm-hmm. she's really 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 active, and uh, she's a mother of two two little boys. And uh, one last thing, and uh, her Nicole Prescott, uh, a graduate of uh, Duke Ellington, she was a dancer who transitioned into acting. And modeling, and uh, her birthday is uh, Thursday the sixth, and she's uh, she's very been very busy in L.A. So that's it. Um, shows. I don't have anything at this point. <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple. Um, I've been pushing the quality of life, altering the playhouse. That'll right. be that'll be beginning in March um, uh, through April, March twenty through April twenty ninth. Kim Donovan uh, will be in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about Javier Reyes. Uh, he's who will be featured. He's doing a spoken word thing at the Apple Store, and that'll be on February the 4th. Mm-hmm. They're doing a thing for um, um, Black History Month. Uh, let's see. I can get rid of Vinegar Tom because that's done. They finally finished, huh? <laughs> Yeah. That was a great. When a show gets to extend like that, I'm Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And the last thing I have is uh, Steel Magnolias. The Chanticleers Theater is doing Ooh. that. That'll begin February the 7th, uh, ending March the 1st. Cynthia, Cynthia Lagodzinski is in that show. And that's that. That's all that I have. Uh, Daniel, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Um, thank you so much for having me, guys. Like, yeah. yeah. Here. Do you have any uh, shows that you'll be uh, doing in um, the future? big one is Sugar and Owens. That okay. is... Uh, the NCTC. Um, yep, NCTC. It's probably the big... It's probably, like, my first, like, sound design project that I'm having, like, so much involvement in. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy to actually be doing it. Fantastic. And I'm working with, like, one of my... Fi- like, one of the best directors. Like, mm-hmm. um, I feel bad. I forget his last name. It's Sean Jay. 
Sean J. West. West. Yes, thank uh, you. Sean J. As a matter of fact, I'll be. Uh, he will. Um, I'm talking with him. He. I think he'll be one of our next guests. But it may be in March or something like that. Oh my God! Yeah, small world, huh? Yo, Sean J. On, I swear to God, Sean J. Makes like that entire process because I'll be real. Uh huh. It's been kind of rough trying to get me on board to NCCC because um I'm there to help like their other sound designer. Yeah. Cover for what she can't. Yeah. And Sean Jay is amazing. Sean Jay makes it, like I've done a couple. I forget what I did with Sean Jay a couple um couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But man, I love working with him. He's so cool. Yeah, he directed me. Well, the Playwright Center of San Francisco. They um they um they feature new playwrights, and so Sean Jay sometimes they'll have featured directors, and Sean Jay was one of them, and he's directed me very quick, very concise, mm-hmm. knows exactly what oh, he wants. I love talking to him about design. Oh my yeah. god, giving him like what he wants, like really um going over like what he needs out of a scene, mm-hmm. out of sound. Oh my god, I lo- it's just really satisfying. Mm. Yeah. And I think he recently had a birthday and he thanked us online mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hey, we've got a chair for you, you know." And yeah. he says, "Hey, you know, tell me when." So, Yo, oh, shout out to Sean J. Get on the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, small world. I love that when, you know, we mention names, it's like, "Oh yeah, I know that person." That's all that's very very cool. All right, here is my blurb. You can find the yay on really any uh, podcast that you listen to. Um, you're listening now, but tell your friends. We're on um, – ah, well, we're still on SoundCloud. That will change. Well, I think we'll still be on SoundCloud, although we're switching our right, um, you said our RSS feed. <laughs> Make sure you give me a date. <laughs> yeah, it will be creativity.fm. I'm still going through some issues. They have to basically download all of our episodes right, yes. to theirs, mm-hmm. and so that will take a little bit of time. In any case, you can also go on the um, iTunes. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on um, SoundCloud still. VA was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You can find me at Red Space Clay. I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Daniel, do you have a um, um, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that? Um, well, of course you're on Facebook, but Twitter, Snapchat, anything. Let me hit you with that Instagram. Sure. Uh, at Dreamboat. Uh, is Dream B H O T E? Okay. Because I love dogs. B H O A T. B H, um, B H O T E. Okay, O T E. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. No way. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, okay. Cool. And that'll be on. You say that's Instagram. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So if people uh, – you need a uh, lighting designer uh, or a sound designer or a uh, electrician, Daniel is Daniel's way to go. Thank you all. That's yeah. the personal Instagram, so right on. Yeah, there you go. And we've, we've got to find, find a better sign-off, and we are out.